now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Say this out loud with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am an absolute surrender in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 3. We'll look at verses 19 to 21. Acts 3, 19 to 21. This morning, I'm preaching a message called Equipping the Saints. It's basically taken out of our book by the same title, Equipping the Saints, uh, printed back in 2008. So if you want to get a complete message, you can read this book. Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. Peter, in the middle of his sermon, says this. He says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive or retain or hold back until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. In the middle of his sermon, Peter is interjecting his sermon with something that gives us an understanding on when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. He says in verse 21 that Jesus must be retained in heaven. Receive, the word receive in the, in the original means to retain. And some of your versions will have that word, retain. Or kept, held back in heaven for how long? Until the times of restoration of all things. So Jesus Christ will be held back in heaven until all things have been restored, brought back to their original state. And then Jesus will come, is what Peter is saying here in Acts 3. That Jesus must be retained in heaven until the restoration of all things. So really, right now we are in a process of a massive restoration that's happening in the world, which God is orchestrating in order to come to the point in time when Jesus Christ can split the sky and return back for His saints and do what has been foretold will be done. At the center of this restoration is the church. At the center of this whole restorative work of God is the church, the body of Christ. And God is restoring the church. If you look back at church history, here's what we see. 
For the first 400 years from the time the church was born, the church was a powerful church, a very vibrant, strong church. They had the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists in the church. And ordinary saints like Stephen and others would be men and women full of faith and power and do great signs and wonders among the people. This was the church in its original state. And this was the way it was the first 400 years. But then the church went into a deep decline at that period of time. If you study history, the religion, Christian religion was institutionalized as part of the Roman Empire. It no longer, it became a state religion. It no longer was an option. Everybody followed this. The churches were taken over by the emperor. And what happened in the church was dictated more by the emperor than the priest. The priests became puppets in the hands of the emperor. It became a state religion. And this eventually plunged the church into deep darkness. And so that thousand year period, subsequent to the first 400 years, we call it the dark ages. The church was filled with darkness. The priests who ran it didn't know what they were doing. It was the blind leading the blinds. And instead of teaching and preaching the pure word of God, the church was dominated by man-made rituals. And people had no choice but to follow it because the ordinary man, the common man, had no access to the word of God. It was too sacred for them to read, understand, and interpret. And since the priests themselves didn't read it, Nobody knew what the Bible said. And so the church was dominated by things like indulgences where you could pay money to go and commit sin and that sin would not be kept in records. You paid for indulgences. And all kinds of things that we could talk about that dominated the church for 1,000 years. 1,000 years. But then at the beginning of the 1500s, God began and initiated a process of restoration because all things must be restored before Jesus Christ can return. And God raised up a man named Martin Luther who received illumination. And there was a man prior to Martin Luther, 100 years prior, who did have the revelation, but he didn't do anything about it. And so today you and I only know of Martin Luther because when he read the word of God as a priest, His eyes were illuminated to the truth that we are saved by faith and the just shall live by faith and not by the practices that dominated the church at that time. And after much agonizing, he decided to raise up his voice, a lone voice in the wilderness that it was, but yet a voice that split the course of the history of the church and became a permanent demarcation in the history of the church that birthed what we call the Reformation. Because Martin Luther, one man, was unafraid to lift up his voice and say, this is what the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. And he wrote down 99 theses that identified the wrong practices that dominated the church, that illuminated and explained the truth of the word of God. And he boldly walked to the door of the church in Wittenberg, nailed it to the door of the church, and he stood there to make his stand that he will stand by the word of God. 
He was very quickly cast out of the Roman Catholic Church. But that's when God burst the movement. He began the process of restoring the church to its original state. The first truth that was restored to the body of Christ at that point was simply the fact that the just shall be saved by faith. We are saved by grace and not by works. For us sitting here in church today, this is like Christianity 001. But at that point in time, it was a high water mark in the history of the church. Men gave their lives for that one truth. Excommunicated, called heretics. Because they stood for one truth. You are saved by faith. In the 1600s, God restored the truth of water baptism. In the 1700s, God restored the truth of sanctification, a holy living. God raised up men like John Wesley and Charles Wesley who preached that you must not only be saved and baptized in water, but also live a holy consecrated life. And the truth of sanctification or sanctified living was restored to the church in the 1700s. In the 1800s, God restored the truth of divine healing to the body of Christ. People began to see that God was not only the savior of the soul, but also the healer of the body. And in the 1900s, God restored the truth of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Beginning at Azusa Street, actually things began prior to that, both here in India and in 1904 in, in Wales. But 1906, the Azusa Street revival was that one revival that affected the whole world and, and gave birth to the Pentecostal movement as we know it. But God restored the truth of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and people being able to pray in tongues and move in the gift of the Spirit at the beginning of the 1900s. So every century, God was restoring a very fundamental, important truth of the Word of God. People received the illumination of it, were unafraid to make a proclamation of it, and the experience followed. Revivals and reformation are paths out of revelation. People being able to see what they were not able to see till that point. Unfortunately, man institutionalizes revelation and we get what is called denomination. So the Lutherans happily institutionalized the truth of Martin Luther. And in the 1500s, the Lutheran denomination was established. In the 1700s, we had the Baptists and many others of that nature, that stream formed. In the 1700s, we had the Methodists formed because they institutionalized the teaching of John and Charles Wesley. In the 1800s, we had the healing movement. In the 1900s, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Pentecostal churches, the assemblies of God, and all these denominations were birthed because man institutionalized the revelation God had given. If we can learn to look at the revelation without being trapped by the denomination, we will find the truth. Amen. But then what we see in the 1900s is that God began to accelerate the process of restoration of all things. Having brought back to the church the foundational fundamental doctrines of the church over a period of 400, 500 years or so. God began to accelerate the process of restoration. What we began to see is that in the 1950s, Starting with the 1950s, the fivefold office of evangelist, teacher, pastor, prophet, and apostle was one by one restored to the body of Christ. So, in the 1950s, we began to see the emergence of the evangelists, the restoration of the office of the evangelist to the body of Christ. 
This does not mean there were no evangelists prior to it. There were many isolated here and there, one here, one there, and so on. But in the 1950s, the office of the evangelist was restored to the body of Christ because there were evangelists all across the world rising up, proclaiming the gospel in mass crusades. You would recognize some names like T.L. Osborne, Oral Roberts, Billy Graham, and our own nation, Brother Vinokran, and so on, who came up as evangelists subsequently. Mighty men of God, women of God, Catherine Coleman, Amy Semple McPherson, and uh, many evangelists, healing evangelists, would fill huge tents, huge auditoriums, proclaim the gospel with signs, wonders, and miracles. And people said, the office of the evangelist has been restored. In the 1960s, the office of the teacher was restored. People began to read the Bible, examine the Hebrew and the Greek, and begin to explain the Word of God so that people could then apply the Word of God in their lives. And this began to happen all over the world. And so we said the office of the teacher was restored to the body of Christ. In the 1970s, the office of the pastor was restored. Now the pastor-teacher is a combination that goes together. So many of these teachers began to establish what we call as word centers or new breed churches where they were strongly teaching the word of God open to the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we said the office of the pastor was restored. Again, this does not mean there were no pastors prior to that, but we see a phenomenon happening all over the world of such kind of pastors rising up in the 1970s. In the 1980s, the office of the prophet was restored. Men and women around the world began to rise up as prophets who could hear the voice of God and speak into the hearts and lives of people. And we said the office of the prophet is restored. In the 1990s, the office of the apostle has been restored to the body of Christ. Men and women rising up as apostles. Men with a pioneering spirit who could go in and unlock territories that seemed to be so locked to the gospel. Men who could penetrate new areas with the gospel and just amazing things for the explosion of the movement of the gospel into nations, regions, and territories were raised up. They would establish churches by the hundreds and, and see the movement of God into closed regions and we call them apostles. So where are we in God's calendar? These five offices have been restored to the body of Christ. So now if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 11, 12, and 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13. The Bible says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul was writing, in his day, in the early church, or in the, day, in the church of Paul's time, they had apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. But because the church plunged into the darkness and went through a period of of a thousand year period of dark ages, the whole concept of apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists was lost. They only knew about priests. But slowly, God had restored all this to the body of Christ. So in the church today, we have apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, 
an evangelist. These have been restored to the body of Christ. Amen. So where are we in God's calendar? In God's calendar, verse 11 is complete. Go into verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. That's where we are in God's calendar. This is the present move of God. Where God has restored the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist to the body of Christ. And what purpose will they serve? They, the purpose they serve is to equip the saints. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. This is where we are in God's calendar. And when the saints are equipped for ministry, what will happen? You continue reading. The body of Christ will be edified. We will all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God. We come to a mature man. We will come to a perfect man. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is coming for a church that is without spot or wrinkle, that is perfect. Amen? So we are pretty close to that. This is where we are in God's timetable. Right now, the move of God is for the saints to do the work of the ministry. The present move of God is the saints movement. Where every believer, young and old, man and woman, will be involved in the ministry. And when that happens, the body of Christ will be built up. And we will all come to the unity of the faith. And you say, Pastor, that will never happen. Christians... Being united, forget it. Now listen, if you lived in the time of the dark ages and you told somebody, there will come a day when every believer will have a Bible to read. They'll say, that can never happen. If you told somebody in the period of the dark ages that there will come a day when there will be churches all around the world that will be preaching and teaching the uncompromised word of God and open to the work of the Holy Spirit, you will see apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. They will say, that could never happen. But I got news for you. God knows how to make it happen. He knows how to do it. And there is enough proof in history to show that God can do it. And He is doing it. He is restoring the church. And then Christ will come. For a church whose body is in equal proportion to His head. Amen. So where are we in God's calendar? We are in the beginning of verse 12. It's the saints movement. Where the fivefold offices now serve the purpose of equipping the saints for ministry. Means you are a minister of God. Amen. You better get your ministry started quickly. Because if you don't, you're stopping Jesus from coming back, man. So this is where we are. In God's calendar. Where every believer is being mobilized, equipped for ministry. Now, there are several things I want to say here. First of all, most churches are not accustomed to the apostolic and the prophetic. The churches of yesterday, and we are not one of them. The churches of yesterday were very pastor-centric. And if you didn't happen to be a pastor, then by default you were an evangelist. That's all they knew. And if you're neither a pastor or an evangelist, then you were a teacher. Sunday school teacher. 
That is the church of yesterday. A very pastor-centric church. They had no concept of the apostolic and the prophetic. They had no idea what it meant. And so many churches in our own city, this is not to put them down, but this is to help you identify the difference, are still churches of yesterday. They are still pastor-centric. They are still focused on the pastor, teacher, evangelist, and have no place for the apostle and the prophet. Every ministry will reproduce after its own kind. That is the objective of verse 11. He gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists so that they can equip the saints, meaning impart to their saints after their own kind. The apostles make people apostolic. The prophets make people prophetic. The teachers make people solid in the word of God. The pastor makes people uh, 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 you know, come together like sheep and gather together and care and nurture for them. And the evangelist inspires people to go out and win the lost. Every office reproduces after its own kind. We must understand that the church of today is very different from the church of yesterday. The church of today has the apostolic and the prophetic in it. The prophetic means you're able to hear from God and be led not by human organization and human intellect, but by the voice of the Lord as the early church was led. Amen? In fact, God wants every one of his children to be prophetic because he said, my sheep will hear my voice. If you don't hear his voice, how could you call yourself a sheep? Amen? Are you all checking up a church membership? You know? So God wants every one of his people to be prophetic, to be able to hear the voice of God in the now. Yes, we have the word, the written word, but there is also the now word. Let everyone who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church now. You need to be a prophetic people. The apostolic simply means you're a pioneer. The word apostle or apostolos comes from the Greek word. It was originally used by the Romans. And here's how they used it. When the Romans wanted to expand their territory and capture new ground, they got together a few fleet of ships, fleet of ships and sent them out. This was apostolos. The responsibility of this, this initial contingent of Roman soldiers was to go into that new territory, take all that territory, establish Roman culture and Roman systems and Roman government, then the rest of the believers follow in and come in and happily occupy. So the apostolos, the apostolic, simply means you're pioneers. You're on the cutting edge. Your job is to go in, unlock new territory, bring in the government, the systems, and the culture of the kingdom of God so that the rest of the body of Christ can follow through and establish themselves. The apostolic gives the church a cutting edge. The church of yesterday is very inward looking. It is looking at how can the church meet my needs because they have the absence of the apostolic and the prophetic. The church of today is outward looking because an apostolic church is always saying, how can I go there? How can I go there? How can I go there? It's the arrowhead. It's the cutting edge. It's the invading force of the church. Amen. And we are a church not of yesterday. We are a church of today. And many people get upset with the APC because they come with a yesterday church mindset, look, come into APC and they don't see that. They get upset. Wake up. We're not a church of yesterday. We're a church of today. We have the apostolic and the prophetic as primary ministries of the church. We 
do have the pastoral. We do have the teaching. And we do have the evangelists. But they are not as important as the apostolic and the prophetic. We are on the cutting edge. And so we are more outward looking than inward looking. Amen. We're the church of today. Not the church of yesterday. So let's take this further. What is the purpose of these fivefold ministries? In Christendom today, we have give, exalted very unhealthily these fivefold ministries. People who emerged into these fivefold ministries did not really understand their purpose. That they were given to serve the church. So unfortunately, around the world, many of these fivefold ministries have turned things around. Whether the church serves them to build their ministries. And that is not God's intent. The fivefold ministries are there to serve the church. That's what it says in verse 12. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. For what? For the equipping of the saints. The purpose of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints. Give you the knowledge. Give you the impartation. Give you the anointing that you need to fulfill your ministry. That is the ministry of the fivefold office. Not to pamper saints, but to equip saints. So if you feel like I'm not pampering you, I'm being biblical. Because my responsibility is to equip you so that you can do the ministry. Amen. That's my ministry, to equip you so that you can do the ministry. Now I know many of you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Me ministry. I'm busy seven days a week. I'm working in this, you know, I'm working here, I'm working there. Try telling that to God. I mean, try telling that to God. So God, what do you mean I have a ministry? He said, yeah. In my plan, saints are ministers. I have a ministry for every saint. Amen. So a pastor doesn't have a job. No, the pastor also is working. Tomorrow morning I go to office. I have meetings, things to do. But I'm also doing my ministry. Amen. So what's your excuse? You have ministry. So this is where we are in the plan of God. That every believer will be a minister of God. You are a minister of God. The purpose of the fivefold ministry is not that you serve them, but they serve you. They are to equip you, give into your life, make you a man and a woman of God. Amen. So let me share a few thoughts here on equipping the saints, on the present move of God, which is called the saints movement. Number one, every believer is a minister. Amen. Now, this is not a cheap slogan of APC. This is the Bible. Amen. It says here in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry. You are a minister of God. You have a ministry. God has a ministry for you. A work that he wants, you know, the word ministry is very complicated for you. It's simply this. It's a work that God has for you to do for his kingdom. That's what ministry is. Each one of you are sitting here today. You are not here to be a church attender. You are here to be equipped for God's ministry. Why do you come to church? You do not come to church to attend the church. You do not come to church to hear a nice sermon that will pep you up for seven days. You do not come to church to mark your attendance so that God doesn't get angry to, with you Monday to Saturday. You come to church to be equipped for your ministry. 
Amen. Next Sunday, as you're preparing to come to church, your mindset should be, God, today I'm going to church so that I can be equipped to fulfill my ministry, the call that you have over my life. You come with that mindset. You're not going to church to be pampered. You're going to church to be equipped for ministry. If you want to be pampered, look for a church of yesterday. If you want to be equipped for ministry, you're in the right place. Amen? Number two, every believer has a ministry in the body. You have a ministry in the body because you're part of the body. And you're not a vestigial part of the body hanging there like an appendix with no purpose. No, you are an important part of the body. Paul said, even the part that seems unseemly, it has a very important purpose. So you may be a small part of the body, but you have a function in the body. So find your function in the body. The local church is an expression of the body. Find your function in the local church. So what can I do? Anything. If you're talented in music, so. See, I've never been able to make it to the music team. Maybe in eternity. Because they have an audition process and they can never get past that. But wherever you can, find your function in the body. Maybe you can, you've learned something from the word of God. Get together five, six people and teach them the word. What's keeping you from doing that? So pastor, I'm not graduated from Bible college. That's okay. You have got biblical authorization to teach the word. You are a minister of God. Go do it. You know the gospel. Get out on the streets. Share the gospel. Do something for God. Get a few people together and say, let's be the evangelism team of APC. We'll go out on commercial street. Do it. You've got a function in the body. You don't find some people in church for two, three weeks. Pick up the phone and call. Don't wait for the pastor to call them. You call them. That's your responsibility, not mine. My responsibility is to equip you for the ministry. That is your ministry. Amen? Member care is the ministry of the members. Ministering to one another. You find somebody sick. Go minister. Go pray for them. We'll teach you how to heal the sick. Do the stuff. You go do it. There's no point in sitting here and saying that was a nice sermon, Pastor. You're not coming to church to hear sermons. You're coming to church to be equipped for ministry. So when somebody's sick, when somebody's hurting, you go minister to them. That is your ministry in the church, in the body of Christ. Don't wait for the pastors. We do it. I've stayed up nights praying for people who are in hospitals. I've done it. And I will do it from time to time. But you are a minister of God. Better get working on your ministry. Don't make excuses. Amen? Number three. You have a ministry in the marketplace, in the world. Not only do you have a ministry in the body of Christ, but you have a ministry in the marketplace. In 1973, God spoke to three great men of God, the three great Christian leaders at that time. One was Bill Bright of Campus Crusade. Another one was Lauren Cunningham of Youth with a Mission. And a third man was a theologian. And God spoke to these three men. He gave them the same word. He said, if my people will take their place and begin to influence these seven spheres of society, they can disciple any nation. If my people will get in to the arts and entertainment, into media, into education, into government, into family, into religion, 
into business. Seven spheres of society. If my people will get in there and become salt and light, they can disciple any nation. Amen. So that's your ministry. A pastor can never get into arts and entertainment unless he wants to act in movies. And some pastors, or a couple of few pastors in the world have done it. Very few. A pastor can never, you know, take part in the Olympics. A pastor can never get into media. Some may. But you are the frontline warriors of the church. You are the advancing army of the church. Because every day, Monday to Saturday, many of you are going into government, you're going into education, you're going into business, you're going into arts and entertainment, you're going into media, you're going into these seven spheres of society, and you are there, not just to earn your bread and butter, but you're going there to be salt and light. And the reason the church has not been able to have any influence on the society is because every morning unequipped saints are going in to the, to the battlefield. What do you expect? But the church of today understands that it will equip its believers. Send them as armed and dangerous men and women of God into these seven spheres of society. And I can tell you, if every church begins to do it, our nation will be discipled. Amen. The mandate is on you to be equipped. To go into the marketplace, not just as a nice Christian, but as an equipped man and woman of God. Going in there to have impact and influence for the kingdom of God. Regardless of what your position is, regardless of what your work is, regardless of what your sphere of influence is, you're going there armed and dangerous. You're going there to have influence and impact, to bring in kingdom culture, to bring in kingdom values, to see souls saved, healed and delivered and discipled right there. You have a ministry in the marketplace. Get that started soon. Get that started soon. Amen? Get your ministry started soon in the marketplace. So I'm in college. Get something started in college. I'm in school. Get something started in school. That's your, that's your sphere of influence. You say, Pastor, I am in education. Get something started there in the college where you're teaching or you're lecturer or whatever. Wherever you are, you are equipped by God to be a minister there. Get your ministry started. Amen. Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, a day is coming. When every man will give an account of the works he has done. Our deeds will be tested by fire. Whether they are of pure silver, gold and precious stones. Or they are wood, hay and stubble. You and I will give an account of what we have done with the ministry God has for our lives. Amen. You will have to give an account for your ministry. Not just the fivefold ministers. But every believer. What are you doing with your ministry? In the body out of the marketplace. You're being equipped Sunday after Sunday by the teaching and the preaching of the word. It's not enough to hear these sermons. These sermons, these messages are intended to equip you. They're intended to arm you. They're intended to make you dangerous to the enemy's kingdom. Amen. Get your ministry started. Number four. In the present move of God, you will find believers combining the fivefold offices with their role in the marketplace. 
in the church of yesterday, if you wanted to be a pastor, if you were an apostle, prophet, evangelist, the only place we found you was inside the church. That is changing in the church of today. In the church of today, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists may be holding jobs, high-ranking jobs in business, in government, and so on. And they're also carrying a fivefold office in the body of Christ. They are generals in the army. Amen. That's the present day work of God. You don't have to look for apostles in the church. Look for them in the marketplace. They're opening up territories for the kingdom of God. Look for prophets in the marketplace. They're hearing from God, setting things in business such a way that not only will the business prosper, that will advance the kingdom of God. Look for evangelists in the marketplace, in arts and entertainment, where the typical evangelists cannot enter. They are there and they're getting souls saved. So in the present move of God, you will find people who are in the marketplace holding a fivefold office. You say, show it to me in the Bible. The greatest example is that of Paul. He was an apostle. He planted churches. But he also made tents, not for charity. He sold them for money to support himself and his team. That was business. So he was in the business world, but he was also an apostle. He planted churches. God is restoring this to the body. Amen. And lastly, in this move of God, in the saints movement, in the present day church, God will use everyone in ministry regardless of age or gender. Amen. Doesn't matter what your age is, as young as you are, as old as you are, God will use you. Doesn't matter what your gender is, male or female, God will use you. Because he said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters, your young men, your old men, they will all, they'll see visions, have dreams. God will pour a spirit on everyone. He will use them. Amen. Question is, what church do you want to be part of? What kind of a believer do you want to be? Do we want to be a part of a church of yesterday? Or do we want to be a part of the church of today? What kind of a believer do you want to be? Do you want to be a church attender or do you want to be a minister of God? Your call is to be a minister of God in the house and in the world. Amen. My responsibility is to equip you for your ministry. Question is, have you started your ministry? Are you doing something for God in the church and in the world? Are you taking everything you're learning from here and putting it to work? Are you seeking to hear from God and saying, God, how can I expand your kingdom? How can I serve other believers in the church? How can I minister to their needs? How can I go out in the city? God, open up doors for me in the marketplace. In the city of Bangalore, open up doors. Pray those prayers. Be apostolic. Be a pioneer. God, unlock doors. Pray strange prayers. There's nothing wrong. Say, God, open up that door to that, that place. It looks impossible. God, open up a door for me. I'm willing to go in there. Make a difference. Amen. I want you to take some time, please. To respond to what you heard this morning the purpose was not to hear a sermon the purpose is to see how you can be equipped to fulfill your ministry one day you and I will stand before the throne of God to give an account of what we have done for his kingdom there will be no excuses you cannot say I was not a pastor I was not an evangelist I was not a prophet I was not an apostle that will be not that will not be counted as an excuse that will not be taken as an excuse God says 
every saint is a minister. Would you pray this morning and say, God, show me what you call me to do in the house, in the church. Show me what you want me to do in the city, God. And we're going to, as we're going to pray, God may birth some new things in you. He may inspire some new ideas in you. I say, why don't you do this? It may have been something people have attempted before or something unheard of. It's okay. God will birth new visions. He will birth new ministries this very morning in response to the word that's been preached. As you stand before the Lord this morning, as you sincerely pray and say, God, I want to fulfill my ministry. Show me what it is. Show me what are the kinds of things you want me to do. God will speak to you. He will birth ideas. He will birth strategies. Take it and run with it. Don't just write it down and keep it under your pillow. Run with the vision. Run with the idea. Run with the dream that God's given you. And you'll be amazed how high mountains can become low. How double, double doors can just open up. And how crooked places will become straight. As you begin to run with the vision God has given you. You are a minister of God. Father, this morning, even as we stand before you with a recognition of what you are doing on the earth today, of equipping your people to be ministers, men and women, equipped with the word of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, inspired by a heavenly vision, able to make a difference on the earth today. Make each one of us in this building, Lord, such kind of people. Make us such men and women of purpose, of destiny, of vision, of passion, who will have huge dreams. When I pray for the city, I pray, I said, God, use me to affect millions of people in my city. That's the kind of prayers I pray. It doesn't cost me anything, just a little faith. I want to encourage you. Why don't you pray those kinds of prayers? And say, God, use me to affect millions in my city, millions in my nation. Pray those prayers. Just requires a little faith. The Bible says God's able to do above all that we can ask or think. Some of you might be thinking, you know, I'm past my prime. I'm in my 50s. What can God do with me? God has done amazing things in history. He raised up a man named Smith Wigglesworth. When he was about 50 years old. He was a plumber, uneducated man. Always was behind his wife. But at the age of 50, God transformed him into an apostle of faith. And through his life, mighty miracles were done that shook Europe and North America. And he has left a legacy that is remembered till this day. What can God do with a man who's passed his prime a whole lot? So it doesn't matter what your age is, if you will dare to pray some big prayers. If you dare to dream some big dreams, God can and will use you.
So right now, why don't you just pray some big prayers? Why don't you dream some big dreams? Doesn't matter what your past is. You say, I'm just an unfortunate person. I, I had such a terrible background. God took an orphan boy from a nation in Africa. Abandoned, raised up by his grandmother. Had to work at the age of seven, picking up sticks and selling sticks. Somehow God gave him a scholarship. He went to Russia, learned the Russian language. God told him to go to Ukraine. He moved to Ukraine. And today the nation of Ukraine has a church of more than 20,000 people of white Caucasian people with one black African preacher. His name is Sunday Adelija. And the government is afraid of this one black African man living in Ukraine. He shook the nation for Jesus. An orphan boy from Africa has shaken the nation of Ukraine. What can God do with somebody with a background that doesn't speak a whole lot? God can do great things. Would you dare to pray? Would you dare to believe God? This is your moment of destiny. God has brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. Don't let it pass you by. Don't just be another ordinary believer just living for little meager things be a dreamer of great dreams be an accomplisher of great things be a pursuer of the call of a heavenly call and a heavenly dream be a man and a woman of destiny father we just pray in the name of the lord jesus that everyone here will be equipped and released for ministry god that everyone here will be powerful, anointed, devil-threatening, kingdom-advancing, armed and chained, dangerous ministers of God. Each one here, God, will advance your kingdom, will win souls, will plunder hell to populate heaven. Each one here, God, will advance against the gates of hell and bring out the captives and say, set them free. That each one here, God, will do great exploits for your kingdom. Anoint your people. Equip your people. Raise up an army. Use us for your glory, O God. Use us for your glory, O God. Use us for your glory, O God. Use us for your glory. Use us, Lord. Everyone, give visions, give dreams, give ideas, give strategies. Use each one, O God. really doesn't matter what your situation is this morning some of the great ministries that are affecting the world today were born in a moment of adversity I'm thinking of a man named Oz Hillman who was just an average Christian but just a believer minding his own business being a good believer he was a businessman everything was going well in his life until suddenly crisis hit 
His business collapsed. His wife left him. Marriage ended in divorce. Everything just broken. For two years, he was going through the darkest season of his life. Didn't know what to do. He was an unknown person at that time. But out of those ashes, out of that point of adversity in his life, was birthed the ministry that today shakes the world. He's a leader of a marketplace movement. More than 500,000 subscribers to his daily devotional, which he wrote during his moment of adversity. Raising up, equipping people for the marketplace. God births beauty out of ashes. Amen. So it doesn't matter what your circumstance is. God is ready to birth something new. Give you beauty for your ashes. A ministry will be born from your moment of adversity that will shake nations. God will do it. Father, we give you thanks, we give you praise for destiny being released here this morning. We thank you, O God. May your name be honored. May your name be glorified through each of our lives. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. And everyone said. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.